based upon your notes, I'm not going to say much. Holy smokes, I did put a lot in here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, it just keeps going. going. First oh, Larry, one. it's six pages. Yeah. So I had a clever intro written, but realized that we just need to get right into it. So, Danielle, here's our TCAP Sloop moment of zen. Ability is nothing without opportunity. Oddly, Napoleon Bonaparte. So, all right, where do you want to start? This week, I want to talk about AI and equity. I want to talk about why we should be using AI with our students why our kids need access to AI, why that makes a difference from an equity focus, and how we can kind of reshape what we do in the classroom to include that focus on equity. Why do you think this is so important? Because I have six pages of notes. <laughs> exactly, because you have six pages. It's not pages. a lie. Well, as and as I was going through the notes, it was sparking all kinds of different thoughts. And I wanted to maybe start here with the first note that you had, which was um, Common Sense Media's kind of position paper, AI and our kids, uh, Common Sense Considerations and Guidance for Parents, Educators, and Policymakers. Again, great content from them. And the first thing I do when I look at anything on AI currently is, when was it made? And my question to you is, April 15th, 2023, is this an outdated white paper? Yes. I do think it is. I think there are a lot of things here that we're still working towards or still working through, but I do think it's it's a good place to start, even though it is a little dated. It's weird that something that just came out in April is outdated, per se, you know? When we look at how long it took email, I mean, email itself took like 61 months to get to 1 million, 100 million users, and ChatGPT did that 100 million users in under two months. So we are moving quick and things are changing every day. Go through that graph. That yep, was a really cool for sure. graph. So this is a graph on the, it's called Path to 100 Million Users. And it talks about how many months from its launch did it take to get to that 100 million users. Email took 61 months. Spotify took 55 months. Pinterest took 41 months. Instagram took 30 months, uh, TikTok took nine months, and then ChatGPT took less than two months to get to 100 million users. It's happening very quickly, and things are changing every day, and what we thought we knew isn't what we, what we know now. So if you look at the number of jobs in this field, it is going to grow. We're going to get over 1 million new jobs expected by 2027. That's a source from the World Economic Forum. I feel like if we're not talking about this in the classroom and putting our kids through how to use AI appropriately and to their advantage, then our kids are going to be left behind. They're not going to be ready for what is waiting for them. They're not getting the same experiences that other kids have. I mean, the kids that are using ChatGPT or whatever AI right now, if your school is blocking it, the kids that are using it are the kids who have access at home. And then that's where the equity piece comes in. It used to be if you had a device or you had internet, 
there, there was a gap between those who did and those who didn't. They called it the digital divide. Like now they're talking about the new digital divide is going to be who knows how to use AI to their advantage, who has access to that 24-7 personal tutor or personal assistant, and who doesn't or who doesn't know how to use it. The most powerful AI that's out there right now is behind a paywall. You know, chat GPT, the 3.5, I think, is what's out there for everybody to use. And four is supposedly light years ahead of that. And I don't have access to it because it costs money. So I'm already at a disadvantage. You know, um, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about applying for jobs, like how different that's going to be. Because typically a way that you sort candidates is through a cover letter and a resume. So what does that look like when you can use chat GPT or whatever AI to write your cover letter and your resume? If you don't know how to do that, you're at a disadvantage. Or don't have access to or it. Or don't have access. You're at a huge disadvantage, and that's not fair. I sound like a child. That's not fair, Larry. Well, and I would, I would go, I would take it a step further and say, if you have access to this technology and you're not using it, you should be using it. So let's get that, you know, the, the whole idea of blocking it and making it unavailable. That's not the discussion we should be having. Correct. But I, I want to mention that the privacy policy is important. So with something like ChatGPT, it is a huge data grab. So it should be, and according to the privacy policy, kids over 13. I'm not saying that it should be the wild, wild west. Right. But this is such a a game-changing tool. It's such a powerful tool that to think that it won't be used is, is just not a wise path to take. It is going to be used, so we need to have a good understanding of what it is. It kind of goes back to the uh, digital citizenship discussions that we've been having. If we're teaching our users, if they have a good understanding of what it is, which is where I think we failed in that digital citizenship conversation, we did not do a good job of educating the user on what to look for, what, what were the pitfalls, and now we're, we're having to do some backfilling there, which is much harder. Being clear-eyed from the start with artificial intelligence on what it is, how it works, I'm very confident that when people say AI, and I would like to get into this, and I don't even know if this podcast is is the place for this discussion, but at least a general conversation on what artificial intelligence is and how it works might not be a bad place to start before we jump into really the equity conversation, because people are just throwing this term AI and artificial intelligence out there without having any idea of how large language learning models actually work, um, how they are created, who's creating them, and who has access to them. So I'm not an expert. You're potentially useful, though. I'm potentially useful. <laughs> As an expert in educational technology, what what is the AI that we're talking about? For sure. Um, so the way artificial intelligence works, the way these large language models work is it takes all of the text on the internet and it kind of gathers it into a database and then it uses that to create a new text for you. So when you put in a question to ChatGPT or whatever, it like predicts what's going to be the next 
word. It's not a concept that I think, I don't think a lot of people understand what's behind it. That well, the, it, the, your your data set is what matters. So if you are, which which is which is why we do talk about bias when it comes to AI, because if you are pulling from a data set of humans who are biased, if you pull all of that data into your AI model and you're using that to produce content, you're producing content based on all of those biased data points, right? So you're likely to get a product that is biased as well. I think maybe we're missing a key element in that AI process, and that's how the AI is trained. So it's not necessarily that an AI is trained to just go out and look at the internet. Mm-hmm. That's that's not how, it, it, from my understanding, how artificial intelligence, intelligence actually works. Because even with artificial intelligence, that's too much data. Yeah, it pulls in specific data it, sets. It's, so it's that initial training piece. You know, the question needs to be asked, who is doing the training? What data sets are they initially starting that model with to then go out and be able to um, curate the information in a useful way. So the general idea is, oh, it's just looking out at the magic. That's something that should be talked about in the classroom as well with students because they do need to know that this isn't magic. There was that article about that MIT student who asked one of the AI students things to make her look more professional and it gave her lighter skin and blue eyes like uh, experts that are talking right now are talking about using this 80-20 model so like letting the AI produce 80% at the beginning to get you started and you going in and taking that 20% critical thinking lens to it and making changes to it we need to talk to students about how to do that because they need to understand that what, what this magic, what this AI, what whatever comes back might be biased. It might be incorrect. It might be might have complete errors in it. So how do they think critically about the information that they get back and then either throw it away or use that 80-20 model to make it better? Making sure that our students especially those with less access to these tools, understands that that 80-20 rule is important and and is a key to making this a useful tool. Yes. Moving it back to our teachers, there was this, um, this is from the EdSource article that you had shared. Uh, The researchers were Linda Chow and Candice Henjojo. And I thought this was interesting as far as a juxtaposition between the two user bases. And the statistics that they showed, 33% of 12 to 17-year-olds nationwide had already used ChatGPT to help with school assignments. Counter that with a nationwide survey revealed that 72% of K-12 teachers had not received guidance and training (laughs) on integrating AI into their curriculum. Okay, so (laughs) so that's number one. There's a problem there. (laughs) And that's that's where I I think, I mean, we know schools change at such a slow pace that we sometimes struggle to keep up. 
I think we just got to do this. I think we just have to put in some some guidelines. I will say that we were looking at the Michigan virtual ones. Those ones are really good. I think teachai.org slash toolkit. Uh, TeachAI has an awesome toolkit for district leaders where you can start thinking about like, here are the reasons why we should incorporate chat, GPT, or AI into an education system. Here are some principles for that. Here's some school guidance. Here's your policies. Here's a sample letter to parents, a sample letter to students. Here are some trainings you can start with for your staff, some topics to cover, some ways to look at it. And, like, just having that district perspective I think is important. And and saying, like, yeah, this is what we have now. This is likely going to change in a month and then change again in a month. And we just have to keep up with it because if we don't have this in place, you know, I was working with a group of new teachers last week and we were talking about how they could use AI to make themselves more efficient. And we were working through that. And one of them said, are we allowed to use this? I, I didn't know if, if TCAPs would allow us. And it's like, yes, the, this is, this is a tool let, let's make sure you understand that 80-20 piece and being transparent, I think you should 100% be transparent. So it should say in it that this was written through assistance. Like I, I used AI somehow. Um, there are some great citations that you can use. MLA has come out with one. APA has come out with one. So with your students, but like for you, even just having a short thing that just says, I, I used AI to assist me in getting started with this writing. I think that transparency is important. But the fact that teachers didn't know for sure if the district would allow it, I think it's important to have those discussions at the district level with teachers and then, like, make sure that's disseminated out, that it can be used and should be used, and that, heck, yes, you should be talking to kids about this, and here are some sample lessons and getting your teachers in for training because, yeah, the fact that kids are using it and teachers aren't getting training, like, that's not okay. <laughs> I'm, we're all over the map. We're on all this. over the map. So, uh, Six good, pages th- of notes, Larry. <laughs> this is a good segue to an announcement that you have. And we're going to get back to the discussion, but mm-hmm. as far as can we talk about? Sure, of course. Winter Wired. It is important to devote time to that professional learning and bringing in the people who who are experts in the field. We are bringing in AI EDU. They're going to do four sessions for us um, starting on February 5th. And ending on March 11th, I'll put the exact schedule in the show notes. But they're going to talk to us about like one week we're doing intro to AI foundations, one week AI in the classroom, one week uh, Gen Z dismantling the algorithm, and then the last week AI for accessibility. Um, So I am very, very grateful that Wired TC is working with AI EDU right now. And we're excited to bring that to the teachers in in our region and in our state, frankly. Um, AIEDU is an amazing nonprofit that works on building foundational AI literacy in the classroom. So they're ideal partners for this project. There are heroes out there. there. We're finding them. As an instructional coach, what are you going through to find artificial intelligence tools that are safe, and usable for our students so that those kids that need it have access to it and are getting the the right access and the right tools to be able to use it properly. Um, I'm learning a lot from McCall. McCall is our um, state ed tech board, 
And um, I'm learning a lot from their social media. They're often sharing out different tools. Um, TCEA, not the Educators Association, but the um, Ed Tech Group from Texas, they share out a lot of great tools. Um, and then just continuing to follow places like AIEDU and Common Sense Education and seeing what they're talking about. Um, also, the News Literacy Project, I think their Rumor Guard section is a really important to this discussion on AI and equity because a lot of uh, misinformation right now is being produced by AI. And again, I think if you're not sharing that with students and talking about that with students, and if they don't have practice identifying that misinformation that's produced by AI, they're at a big disadvantage. I don't. I think that doing nothing and not addressing this is really not an option. Are we chicken little? Am I getting over my skis here on this a little bit? Are we overhyping it? Are we like, oh, because we're ed tech people, this is a... No, absolutely not. This, typically ed tech things don't get in the general public knowledge sphere, the general news for a while. And the fact that this immediately was on normal people news, I think makes a difference. I think this is the this is the biggest thing since the internet. This is this is our chance to change education and make it better and change learning and make it better and hopefully fix some of these equity things that have been a problem for a while. Maybe this is a little early to end. There's so much to discuss on this. But I thought this was great. From Inside Higher Ed, that Inside Higher Ed article uh, written by Suzanne D'Agostino, the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Educational Technology released a report offering insights and recommendations on AI and teaching and learning. The report is 71 pages. But if pressed, its message might be reduced to five words contained within it. Emphasize humans in the loop. I couldn't agree more. So with that, do you have a tech tool of the week? Tech tool of the week. I sure do. You know, Larry, there, there are a lot of places where I would start as a teacher in the classroom. Like, how do you talk to students about this? It's, I don't know, sometimes it's nice to have a guide. I feel like we're all kind of figuring this out right now. So here are your guides. You want to go to Common Sense Education. You want to look at their AI literacy lessons for grades 6 through 12. They are plug and play, and they're really, really good. And if you have more questions about what a large language model is, I will tell you Common Sense Media explains it perfectly in four minutes. Um and it likens it to like training a dog. It's fantastic. So check out those AI literacy lessons. Teach AI from AIEDU. They have a whole entire section that has some project-based learning um, samples and projects that you can put your kids through that have to do with AI. Uh, we mentioned Rumor Guard from the News Literacy Projects. And then things like just making sure your kids know how to cite when they use generative AI. So there's an MLA citation, there is an APA citation, and there's even just a simple like AI credit section where you show what you got and how you changed it. I think that that's where you start with kids. So if we want to drill down your galaxy brain to like actionable steps, that's where you start. You go to Common Sense Media, you go to AIEDU, you go to the News Literacy Project. Three tech tools of the week. Boom. How is a teacher fitting this in? If we're going to admit that artificial intelligence is the th tool that it is, 
um, similar to digital citizenship, but maybe even more, I don't know if it's more important because I don't know, we haven't been able to figure out a way to fit digital citizenship. I'm working on it. I know you. Other districts have. Other districts have figured it out Mm -hmm. that you make it a priority and you make it a part of your culture. So that way, everything you do, you think about that dig sit piece and it's kind of the same way with AI. You know, the the AI common sense collection is literally seven lessons that are half an hour each. What is AI? How is AI trained? AI chatbots, who's behind the screen? Understanding AI bias, how it affects our lives, AI algorithms, and facing off with facial recognition. I, I see in the classroom you you do those lessons and then you continue to bring them up as you're working through research or as you're finding these these news articles as your kids are online. Like you build it into the fabric of what you do every single day so that you're constantly talking about it's being a human who lives in this century. You have to know how to work online. And part of that includes being safe, being kind and not an idiot and like you knowing how to use this for good and that's AI you know and how to recognize when it's not being used for good yes and how to fight the good fight so that way it can be used for good so doing nothing isn't an option not doing dig sit in your classroom is not an option you have to it has to become a part of what you do don't be an idiot online (laughs) That's my. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed very pointed at me. What are you saying? <laughs> it didn't. No, it's it's pointed at the group of people that didn't have dig sit because we missed it because we didn't quite understand it. So we have to right those wrongs. We have to fix the mistakes that we made in the past. Agreed. 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 Where can they find you to get more of this great insight? In the six-page note sheet. No. <laughs> We'll, we'll link up some of this in the notes, not all this. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Brostrom DA and on Instagram. Excellent. TCAPS Loop is on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter X. Yeah, I'm still on Twitter X too. And all, all that stuff. Uh, hey, please rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. And give us a review. We would love to hear from you. Um, suggestions, insights on what you think of the podcast. It can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. I, I don't know if you caught. I kind of just put the brakes on it.